Hello and welcome to the Talking Food with Bid Food podcast. I'm Joe Inglis and for this episode I'm delighted to be looking forward to the food and drink trends that will be shaping 2022 and beyond. I know that this is always a really popular subject for many of our listeners and we've got some really great insight to go through. For this episode we'll be focusing on five key trends that will be most important next year and we'll be deep diving into some flavours less travel to highlight some of those off the beaten track dishes, cuisines and ingredients that consumers are starting to show an interest in. I'm excited to be joined by Catherine Hinchcliffe, who is our Head of Corporate Marketing and Insights, and she returns as my co-host for this one. We'll then be joined by Peter Martin, who's the Founder and Executive Director of Peach 2020. This is one of hospitality's most influential annual events, and Peter is one of the most authoritative and influential communicators and commentators in the eating and drinking out sector. He has over 35 years experience as a market analyst, entrepreneur, columnist, editor, media owner, and board advisor. So Catherine, I'll start with you. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Can you give us a quick background about Bid Foods food and drink trends for 2022 and how you went about developing them? Hi, Joe. Thanks. It's great to be back. Um, Well, we've uncovered five key food and drink trends set to influence consumer choices. Uh, We've changed up the way we've come up with them this time around and partnered with CGA, who've conducted some exclusive consumer research for us and also worked with food influencers and a futurist, Tom Cheeswright, to help us look forwards a bit further into the future over the next one to two years so that when our customers do come to plan new menus, um, we can help them future-proof them a bit more. That's great. Sounds very exciting. Thanks, Catherine. And uh, welcome back to the podcast, Peter. Thank you for having me. Nice to be back. Yeah, nice, no problem at all. I mean, the last time you were here, we were right in the depths of uh, the first lockdown, I think it was. So, so much has changed since then, hasn't it? Oh, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least um, my bit of the market, the you know, out of home food and drink, is 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 back in um, in some sort of business. Um, fewer fewer sites, um, some casualties, but there's a fair bit of optimism out there, which is good news. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but before we discuss um, your thoughts on the subject that we're talking through today, um, can you tell us a bit about Peach 2020 and the experience you've built over the years, understanding the out-of-home sector and the trends that shape it? Well, Peach 2020 is a um, uh, an annual conference um, and awards night, but mainly mainly the conference, which we've been going um, <clears throat> 17 years now, and um, it, it, you know we attract sort of 300 of the, of the Leading uh, leading operators from big corporates and startups from right across the country, uh, right across the uh, the eating and drinking out market, pubs, restaurants, bars, contract catering, uh, and it's a great it's a great hub um, of, of discussion about new trends. But I think where we're looking now is that there are some immediate issues, absolutely immediate issues the industry has to has to face, whether it's around uh, around people changing consumer trends, um, looking at what has changed because of the pandemic. But also there are some big, uh, big issues which are, well, really looming on the horizon for everybody. One is the whole issue around climate change, sustainability, and how hospitality plays a part in that. And there are other issues which is sort of linked to things like the staffing crisis about diversity, you know, what sort of workforce have we got? So, we, you know, we're grappling as a, as, as a sector with the here and now, and, and I wouldn't underestimate how problematic that still is, even though we are open, but also looking forward to some, some bigger trends and some issues and about how, how hospitality plays its part in, in broader society. 
at the uh, conference, did you notice how was there a feel for people thinking into the next year and beyond for their menu? Without without a doubt, yeah. And obviously, you're quite right. The core thing is selling food and drink. So understanding those menu trends were absolutely key. Yeah, I, I, as I say, I think what we're seeing, particularly in 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 the in the sort of the chain market, there is optimism. Sales are getting back. In fact, you know, like for like for likes are ahead of um, currently running ahead of what they were in 20, 2019. So we people coming back, but certainly they are looking to the future. Um, there is concern. Um, the market is tight. Money is tight. Um, in terms of investment, there are cost pressures. But I think one of the things they understand is consumers are looking for a great experience. If they aren't going out, and it is trying to encourage them to go out, and they aren't coming back, is you've got to give them a good time, a great experience, trying something new. You can't give them anything less than they had before. And certainly, you've also got to understand what people have been doing during lockdown. There's a lot of trends which have developed in the hope. And understanding those are quite are quite important. I mean, you know, whether that's um, in the drinks world, the, the growth of low and no alcohol, for example, or the impact of uh, takeaway and delivery on what's going to be happening out in pubs and restaurants are really fundamental things. Thanks, Peter. Can I also ask how easy operators have found it, do you think, to stay in touch and adapt to what have been quite rapid changes and really big shifts in consumer choice and behaviour? Again, it varies by by operator, but we've seen one of the big check changes as 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 it were that the, the operators which have gone into takeaway into delivery they have stayed more in touch with their their consumers, and a lot of those trends will will continue. Um, that also includes food kits. So you you're, you're seeing some more top end restaurants like Hawksmoor uh, keeping their, their 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 food at home kits and then developing a whole new business on that. Um, you're seeing um, pizza pilgrims with their pizza in the post you know again that has developed a whole new business whole new line so a lot of those operators are going on the channel now um, and that's staying in touch with their consumers and and I think probably the most important thing the big change is the 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 adoption of, of the digital world, as it were. Um, consumers are living in that world. And I think what good operators are, are doing is understanding that. Now, how that plays actually within the experience in a pub and a restaurant is an in- interesting thing that's still up for debate. But I think people understand that people are wanting to plan their, their visits more because although we are seeing um, a more willingness to come out, there's still a, a, a certain hesitancy amongst some and what we're Liability. So there's a trend more to want to book, uh, understand what's available online, then book online, and then also pay, and then probably get if you're in the middle of London or um, or Manchester, get your Uber home. Um, so technology is part of it, and I think probably the biggest benefit for operators, good operators, is it's producing an awful lot of data on consumers, which could then allow them to adapt their their operation both in understanding what consumers want in terms of their experience, but also in terms of what they want to eat and drink uh, and and what is going to wow them. So I think we have a richer market in terms of data and consumer understanding. We certainly did two years ago, 18 months ago, uh, pre-pandemic. Big data, better insight. And I've actually tried both of those food kits and they were fantastic, actually, offerings. Also, can I ask you, Peter, have you got a sense for what the main challenges are that operators are facing right now? Is it getting people through the door? 
Is it getting repeat visits and securing loyalty? Or is it all about persuading them to spend more? I think for consumers, on the consumer side, it, it, that, that, that is not the biggest issue. I think the biggest issue at the moment for an operator, I'll come back to consumers in a minute, biggest operator is, is, is labour shortages. And it's obviously it's not just affecting hospitality, but right across large sections of, of, of business, including the supply chain. Um, you know, where are the staff? Can we get them back? Um, there are other concerns about rising costs come out of that. There, there, there's the potential potential for VAT to go back up again. And there's a big campaign for that. And that will have a, an impact. So there's a lot of outside, outside issues people are looking at. But going back to consumers, I think it is a matter of providing, continue to provide the reassurance that is that's becoming less and less of an issue, but we can't forget the fact that what we've gone through with the pandemic and people do want to see the signs that places are safe, uh, they're safe, um, that that actually they are going to have a good time. I think then it's a matter of, you know, how do you wow people? Because there has been a tendency uh, amongst parts of the market is to perhaps cut back on their on their menus because of price because of shortages or whatever the problem with that is is it's not going to wow the consumer who does want something more one thing hasn't changed people don't want less when they're going out in fact it's pretty clear they want more when they're going out indeed actually and one of our trends that we'll come on to is the wow factor Indeed. I mean, I think that that's absolutely right, because if people are spending money and if money is a bit tighter, you know, you, you, you don't want an average time. You know, um, I think that's absolutely important. And then it is a matter of getting that that feedback from consumers. If you're an operator to understand how, how good that menus, uh, that that experience, that visit's been uh, and then to promote at the right time, not necessarily mass promotions, but to tailor things more. And I guess the more you are consumers, the more likely you are to get tempt more pennies out of their pockets and keep them coming back and get them through the doors as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, if you say you look on, the, in, say, just on the drinks side, one of the big trends which has come out um, and has continued is the growth in the consumption of cocktails, which um, sort of boomed a bit at people at home wanting to have a good time um and that is now spilling back into actually into into, into pubs and bars and in fact there's a real growth in in cocktail drinking as well as on perhaps on the healthy and non-alcoholic side as well so people will pay for something which is a bit special absolutely it's the small touches like that isn't it thank you both next up we're going to talk you through the five key food and drink trends for 2022 Welcome back, everyone. So now on to the five key food and drink trends shaping 2022. So Catherine, let's start with the trends you've identified as the ones to watch. Can you share what those are, please? Delighted to, Joe. We've been highlighting five key trends, which are flavours less travelled, celebrating British, the wow factor, health is wealth, and finally the Greta effect. So I'll take them one by one. Flavours less travelled. This trend is about those cuisines that are slightly off the beaten track. Slightly niche, but still emerging with lots of potential for adapting to mainstream menus. We'll explore this in a bit more depth later in this episode with Peter's help. The key cuisines we're seeing coming through, those flavours and cuisines less travelled, are Scandinavian, Peruvian, Filipino, 
Pacific Rim particularly pokey bowls because that ticks a number of other trend boxes and Burmese and I think it's evident that consumers are being a bit more adventurous through their food choices six in ten like trying venues that offer new cuisines and over half of people say that if they see a new cuisine on a menu that they haven't tried before they're likely to choose it. The other key trends celebrating British um, after the turbulent times we've had with the pandemic and the impact of Brexit, consumers are much more eager than ever to support the British economy, as well as local farmers and producers and their local communities. And they're showing renewed interest in regional cuisines and recipes. And of course, we have the extended four-day bank holiday next, next year, the bank holiday weekend, to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. So there'll be a lot of activity and focus around that. The third main trend, and we referred to it a little bit earlier, the wow factor. Um, as we said, this reflects the fact that consumers are seeking new experiences and indulgence after the times we've, we've all had. And they're looking for that extra special experience when they eat out, which kind of taps into what Peter was saying about value for money is, you know, two sides of the same coin. We've identified two subtrends within this, which are decadent desserts and experiential and experimental. The third kind of area, health is wealth. Um, we've spoken about this many times before. Health is indeed a big mega trend. However, this trend is far too prominent to miss. And the key thing really for operators is to understand the key ways health behaviors are manifesting when out of home. And because we do see some shifts between subtrends as this trend develops, really. We've identified three key subtrends for 2022 under, under health. One is calorie conscious. Consumers are being more focused on calories they can cut and lower calorie options. Drink healthily. Peter mentioned earlier, a lot of people are into drinking less alcohol or no alcohol at all. And healthy kicks, that's all about the kind of mood boosting or kind of vitamin based ingredients that can be added to food and drinks. And finally, the last of the five key trends is the Greta effect, all about sustainability and environment. As you can guess, this trend is all about protecting the planet. And again, sustainability is not a new topic. However, the expectations consumers have of operators are changing especially on the back of COP26, as it becomes more of a priority. Operators need to be on the ball. Sustainable choices on menus, sustainable initiatives are a priority for consumers when they're choosing between venues more and more. And the four key subtrends we've identified here are vegan junk food, blended meats, that's blending meats with vegetables to make the meat go further, waste less, and seasonal favourites. So seasonal dishes are increasingly on the menu again. Thank you, Catherine. That's a, that's a great overview there. And there's just loads to digest. Um, so Peter, of those five key trends that Catherine just shared, which do you see is the most beneficial to operators from a GP perspective and from a perspective of encouraging customers to spend more? In a sense, it's a really difficult question, but I think perhaps there's one trend which probably, as it were, feeds into some of the others. And I think part of that is is the British trend as well, because it's not so much about necessarily British dishes, but certainly British 
produced ingredients. And I think that that drives into a lot of concerns around um, the whole green agenda, um, that perhaps buying local does help the Greta effect as well. And certainly that is a big, a big issue. And I think also um, restaurants and, and bars and, and pubs can produce really exciting new flavours, uh, new cuisines, whether it's, whether it's Scandi or Peruvian, but using British ingredients. So in a sense, I think that that sort of pulls a lot of those trends together. And I think that understanding of um, operators, because they are becoming more concerned themselves about um, the supply chain, and particularly not necessarily just about the immediate issues we've got, but the, the longer term issues around climate change and sustainability and waste, that actually getting closer to, to suppliers like Bidfood, working with the initial producers like the far farmers, um, is actually something that operators are increasingly wanting to do. And I think that could be a real key for them. And if they get those supply chains right, which may be driven more by seasonality, that can actually uh, actually help them improve the economics of their business as well. Thanks, Peter. That was a really great point there. going to explore some flavours which are less travelled and a bit more depth. The particular flavours we're going to focus on are Scandinavian, Peruvian, Filipino, the Pacific Rim and Burmese. Catherine, can you tell us a little bit more about these and what's so appealing about them? So let's start with Scandinavian. Um, it's all about typically um, using simple and fresh ingredients like fruits, fish, seafood, seaweed, um, berries to create really hearty, satisfying and healthy dishes. And of course, there's a big bakery culture in Scandinavia, for example, with cinnamon buns and cardamom buns, um, the best known. And that, and that links with the whole Swedish culture of fika, which makes this whole trend particularly appealing um, mean, and, and means drinking coffee, eating sweet treats and chatting. So it's a really relevant cuisine across the UK as the coffee shop cult continues to rise. Um, and I love the concept of open sandwiches too, which are really adaptable and beautiful and an on-trend lunchtime option that can really kind of premiumize that day part. Burmese is a really interesting one. Um, there are only a handful of Burmese restaurants in the UK, although it's still a cuisine that's cropping up in pop-ups, in recipes, soups, even diet plans, because of its delicious flavours that come in quite familiar formats like noodles and curries. And so it's really adaptable for menus. Whilst it's merging, it's not as niche as we might expect and certainly has the potential to grow. It draws its flavour profiles from its Chinese, Indian and Thai neighbours with classic and familiar ingredients like cinnamon, turmeric, peanuts and soy sauce. Um, and so whilst it does seem to be relatively far flung. We, we found in our research that one in four said they'd be keen to try it in the pub. So maybe not so niche as you might think. So then there's Peruvian. We're seeing Peruvian restaurants in lots of cities around the UK. Certainly outside of London, you've got Manchester, Newcastle, Birmingham and Edinburgh to name a few. And it's it, the fresh seafood and exotic flavors of Peruvian, like for example, ceviche dishes, which are cured in lime which mean it's commonly associated with being quite high quality and relatively healthy and fresh in terms of its flavour profile. 
um, it draws quite a lot from Spanish cuisine and so typically comes in small plates and sharing dishes. So taps into this kind of celebration and social side of eating, which has really gained momentum recently. And it's ideal for social occasions. Um, we're also seeing quite a few Peruvian twists on Mexican dishes um, pop up um, with kind of street food options, giving them a, a bit more of an authentic and unique feel. Um, and then there's Pacific Rim and Filipino, almost hand in hand, because they're both part of the Pacific. Filipino dishes, you'll find uh, chicken and pork and citrus flavours. Um, again, this one has a Spanish heritage too, as well as vinegar, which in very hot countries helps preserve meat. So that gives dishes a salty, sweet and sour flavour, um, like traditional dishes such as um, adobo chicken and warming soups. And there's also a tradition of bakery in Filipino cuisine. There's a large working population of Filipinos in the UK. So it's no surprise that, again, with this cuisine, you can find restaurants outside of London in Edinburgh, Manchester, Newcastle, Birmingham, and so on. For Pacific Rim, we're particularly focused on poke bowls here, which are popular because of their fresh and healthy credentials. So they tap into the health is wealth trend as well. And they work very well as an interesting lunchtime option. Um, they feature ingredients like salmon, edamame beans, fresh herbs, mango, pineapple, citrus flavours, even kind of seaweed. Um, and they're really fueling po pokey popularity at the moment. It's been a cuisine that's been on the rise for a while. So it's one that we've featured before, in fact, but it's coming back with, uh, with even greater momentum. So, Peter, um, some of these cuisines could be considered to be pretty niche. And um, why do you think the time is right for some of them to have gained traction ahead of others? Well, I think um, they sort of fit in with some of the other trends we've been talking about. One is the health, healthy. That's uh, healthy is a big driver, and, and, and I think it's only become more important uh, as people come out of pandemic. People are, are concerned quite naturally about their health, and a lot of research shows that people are, are more committed to a healthier lifestyle. Now, whether they always lead that is a different different matter, but there's, there's a sense that people want to do that. Um, and so you've got you know the freshness of Peruvian, the freshness of, of Scandinavian food sort of fits in very much like that. But then you've also got the the experience. Um, that, need for experience so big flavors are, is always a, a good thing so you put those those two together I think that's what drives some of these cuisines um, and I think one of the big trends we saw sort of growing before um, before pandemic and is still continuing now is the growth of street food um, and that and we're still seeing a lot of um, young entrepreneurs wanting to wanting to come into the market with ideas, using cuisines perhaps from their native lands um, or their, their their ancestors' lands. Actually, setting up store, working with uh, operators like Curb or Escape to Freight Island in Manchester, and that's allowing that that, that those sort of cuisines 
to flourish and uh, in a sense people come into the market easily uh, much much and much more cheaply than actually having to buy um you know go straight into bricks and mortar so you put all those trends together and you've got a hell of a lot of excitement out there a lot of excitement out there um a lot of it you would say is just sort of young young metropolitan uh, people say in london or manchester or birmingham but we are seeing that that's that that's spreading out um it's always been really difficult to predict what is the next big big trend so uh, don't ask me um, um <laughs> but but a lot of it is a matter of staying close to understanding what what you know what people are trying in 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 in, in the street food in the markets and then they you know they take off and i think you know peruvian is a good example of that which sort of their ceviche also uh, fitted in well with that sort of informality of small plates in the bar culture along alongside a pisco sour or something like that which is obviously a Peruvian drink as well so you're, you're seeing these things getting the right environment to, to flourish as well um, so I think it's really it's really exciting and um, and again the British have always been pretty good at taking on new, new flavors and we've talked about these new ones but I mean I still think we we're seeing a, a fair way to go in even tastes like Korean um, where you know kimchi is seen as healthy because it's fermented food the, the whole Levantine uh, food um, craze which is sort of driven by the Otolengas of, of this world they're still they're still growing as well so the choice is immense and uh, and again that's great for the industry because it gives people another good reason to go out. So do you think this increase in consumers spirit of adventure in food and drink as we said you know their uh, propensity to be buying different and interesting kinds of street food do you think that spirit of adventure is here to stay or is it simply because of their frustrated desire to travel and will disappear when they go and start um, being able to travel abroad again in greater numbers to experience these kind of cuisines firsthand? I think it's here to stay without a shadow of a doubt. I think we're seeing a bit of a spike now because people aren't traveling. But you just look back at, you know, tapas bars, you know, they, you know, a couple of decades ago, there weren't many. And, you know, it's it's a style. Um, there's always something new coming through. I, I, I think what that's part of the British, as it were, British eating out culture, that people will always want something new. And I think that's one of the most encouraging things. It, but it also means that the industry's got to stand its toes and actually you know, continue to produce new cuisines, new tastes, something new. Um, now, sometimes you, people will go back to the tried and tested like pizza and pasta, but it's a matter of, again, how those, even those sort of um, dishes have been twisted, uh, uh, changed, tweaked into something more exciting as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the future and I think I'm pretty optimistic about the British consumer too. Uh-huh. Well, we see one in four consumers would be happy to try Burmese in the, on the pub menu. But would you say that operators are as adventurous as consumers when it comes to trying out more far-flung flavours, ingredients or dishes? I think, I think it goes back to the it's, it's difficult to generalise on, on, on these things. I think there are a lot who will do because they are very much, you know, they're, they're very close to their consumers. They they see how, how trends are developing. And we've seen even some of the big big chains develop their menus in terms of probably going more meatless, people like Wagamama or whatever. You know, so, you know, the good operators are close and, and will, will change now. Um, it's a matter of how those fit in. But I think if people... Um, 
um, adopt, move back to the use of specials. I think that's a great way of uh, um, introducing these sort of uh, these sort of dishes, uh, and that's a great way of trialing. It is indeed. Um... And um, many of them, many of these trends do first surface, as you said, in dedicated specialised recipes from people that uh, that come from the country or who have kind of ancestors um, before they trickle through into the wider market um, and more mainstream restaurants and pubs. But which of the trends that we mentioned today do you see as the most adaptable in that respect and why? Again, very tricky question. That. I mean, I think... Perhaps in some senses, um, perhaps the Scandinavian one may may have um, perhaps more adaptability. Um, and I think one of the interesting things about that, it, it's probably got more flexibility and certainly for sort of even even breakfast through to uh, lunchtime day parts. That's probably the time that 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 can probably work, work best. But, you know, who knows? Let's see how it develops. But th that's probably what I put my money on. I think like flexibility is a really good point there. I think with all the the, the problems with uh, supply and things like that, being flexible, it seems to be very important to really what you can change and adapt things to stay on trend, isn't it? I, th I think without a doubt, and I think we are in difficult times at the moment. Um, and you know, we can all have our uh, our views about what the reasons are, but we've got to got to address the reality of it. And uh, no, there are shortages, and I think how how we perhaps change the way we operate, uh, as you say, with more flexibility or perhaps uh, more locally produced food, more seasonal food, could be the way forward. But also, I think we'll see changes in in, in production as well. You know, it's not just traditional agriculture we've seen you know the the growth in things like urban farms as well of or, or vertical farms where a lot of that is probably at the moment only producing herbs and and, and uh, salad uh, products but i think you know there's a potential for those those to expand as well now they're not without their own problems in terms of logistics but i think it's about some creativity coming through about how we uh, basically how we feed the nation Absolutely. And it's very exciting to hear that, isn't it? But um, I guess back onto flavours, are there any other flavours you see on the horizon, what you've got your eye on for the next year or, or into 2023 even? Well, probably I'm a traditionalist, and I was probably on still enjoying the ones already out there. Um, I, I think it is tricky, and I think um, um, you know, Bidfood and CGI have done a great bit of work in, in their research, and I think they've, they've spotted some some new ones because I, you know, if you look at those trends, Peruvian, you know, I, I know pretty well Scandinavian. I mean, I think the Burmese one coming through is a good one, and you know, even you know, I've seen Nepalese restaurants as well. Some have been around for a while, but it often is a matter of you know, being in the right place at the right time um but again it, it is that um i think you know to be successful it's almost having that combination of really interesting flavors um and also a freshness and light you know lightness as well and healthiness so you you get a bit of a mixture of that or at least perceived uh, mixture of that that's great Absolutely. Um, just before I wrap things up, I just want to say a massive thank you, Peter, for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Catherine, a massive thank you for being the co-host on this podcast. No worries. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks, Joe. That's great. Um, the good news is we'll be exploring more of these trends in future podcasts, starting with the health is wealth trend. We'll be covering this in the new year, so make sure you look out for that one. If you're looking for more information on what we've discussed, 
You'll be able to find our 2022 food and drink trends page on our website, bidfood.co.uk, or there is a link in the episode summary. You'll also find a link there to our interactive trends for 2022 brochure. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, goodbye.